listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, 2,500-plus page work of the Venerable Maria Vagrida. And also, you can follow the Facebook group, where you can interact with other readers and listeners and share your thoughts and insights from the day's reading. Today is day 42, and we are reading from chapter 22, paragraphs 355 to 360, and yesterday we heard about how St. Anne complied with the law of Moses in regard to childbirth and how Mary acted in her infancy. The very end of the reading, Maria Bagrada was beginning to ask some questions, and so now here we have the answer and instruction of the Queen of Heaven. My daughter, since thou art full of wonder, I will inform thee in all kindness. It is true that I was in possession of grace and of the use of reason, From the first instant of my conception, as I have so often shown thee, I underwent the hardships of infancy as other children, and I was reared and treated as others of the same condition. I felt hunger, thirst, sleepiness, and other infirmities of the body, and as a daughter of Adam I was subject to these accidental necessities. For it was just that I should imitate my most holy son, who subjected himself to these hardships and defects, in order that he might merit so much the more, and in order that he might be an example to the rest of mortals for their imitation. As I was governed by divine grace, I made use of eating and sleeping in moderation, allowing myself less than others and only so much as was proper for the augmentation and the preservation of my life and health. Disorder in these things is not only against virtue, but against the well-being of nature itself, which is invaded and ravaged by it. On account of my exquisite composition, I was affected by hunger and thirst more painfully than other children, and the want of nourishment was more dangerous to me. If it was given to me at unseasonable times or in excess, I bore it with patience until by some befitting sign I could manifest my needs. I felt less the want of sleep on account of the opportunity which it furnished me for the presence and the heavenly conversation of the angels. That I was bound and wrapped in clothes was not painful to me, but it was a cause of much joy. For I understood by divine light that the incarnate Lord was to suffer a most cruel death and was to be bound most shamefully whenever I was alone during my childhood. I placed myself in the form of a cross praying in imitation of him, for I knew that my beloved was to die in that position, although I did not know that the crucified was to be my son. In all the difficulties which I underwent after I was born into the world, I was resigned and contented, for I never lost sight of one consideration, which I desire thee always to keep in mind. It is this, that thou ponder in thy heart and in thy soul the truths which I saw, so that thou mayest form a correct judgment of all things." giving to each of that esteem and value which is its due. In regard to this, the children of Adam are ordinarily full of error and blindness, but I desire that thou, my daughter, share it not with them. As soon as I was born into the world and made aware of the light which shone upon me, I felt the effects of the elements, the influence of the planets and of the stars, of the earth which sustained me, of the nourishments which preserved me. And of all the other things of this life, I gave thanks to the author of all things, acknowledging his works as benefits freely bestowed upon me, and not as dues which he owed to me. Therefore, when anything was wanting of the necessities of life, I remained in peace and contentedness, and deemed it all perfectly reasonable and proper in my regard, since I had merited none of the gifts, could justly be deprived of all of them. 
Hence, if I acknowledge this, thereby merely asserting a truth which the human reason cannot ignore nor deny, where have mortals, their intellect, or what use do they make of their understanding when at the refusal of things which they desire, and of which perhaps they do not even profit, they begin to get sad, and lash themselves into fury, one against the other, and even against their God, as if they were suffering some injury at his hands. Let them inquire what treasures and riches they did possess before they came into life, what services they had rendered unto God in order to merit them, and if out of nothing there cannot arise anything, and if they cannot merit the being which they have received, what obligation is there on the part of God to preserve out of justice what was given to them entirely gratuitously? That God created man was of no benefit to himself, but to man it was a benefit, and one as great as the being given to him, and as high as the object for which it was given. And if in his creation man became indebted so much that he can never pay his debt, tell me what right he can invoke at present for his preservation. Has he not received his being without merit and many times forfeited it? How can he claim the guarantee and pledge of unfailing plenty? If the first transaction and operation was a mortgage and a debt by which man binds himself, how can he, with such impatience, demand favors? And if, in spite of all this, the supreme goodness of the Creator furnishes him graciously with what is necessary, why should he be agitated by the want of superfluities? O oh, my daughter, what an execrable disorder, and what a despicable blindness of mortals is this! For that which the Lord gives them gratuitously, they do not thank him, or even give him acknowledgment. And for that which he denies them justly and sometimes most mercifully, they are restless and proudly desirous, and they try to procure it by unjust and forbidden means, throwing themselves into the very destruction which flies from them. The first sin alone committed by man was sufficient to cancel man's right to the friendly service of all the other creatures. And if the Lord himself would not restrain them, they would turn in vengeance upon man and refuse to render any service or help for sustaining his life. The heavens would deny them their light and benign influences. The fire would refuse its heat. The air would cease to serve for the respiration, and all the other things would, in their particular way, refuse their services, since they would in justice be bound to refuse them. Then when the earth would deny its fruit and the elements their moderation, their assistance, and all the other creatures would arm themselves to avenge the wrongs of the Creator, Wisdom 5.18, perhaps disgraced man would humiliate himself in his vileness and would not heap up the wrath of the Lord for the unerring day of accountants, when all his dreadful guilt will be exposed. But thou, my dear friend, fly from such base ingratitude, and humbly acknowledge that thou hast received thy being in life gratuitously, and that gratuitously its author preserves it for thee. Freely dost thou receive all other benefits, without any merit of thine, and thus, receiving much and repaying little, Thou makest daily less worthy of favors, while the liberality of the Most High grows continually with thy indebtedness. Let this thought be uppermost in thee always, in order that it was awakened and moved thee to many acts of virtue. If any of the irrational creatures fail thee, I desire thee to rejoice in the Lord and give thanks to his majesty, and bless them for their obedience to the Creator. If the rational creatures persecute thee, love them with all thy heart, and regard them as the instruments of divine justice which afford thee some opportunity of rendering satisfaction for thy deficiency. 
Rather, strengthen and console thyself in labors, adversities, and tribulations, not only considering them as fully deserved by the faults committed, but deeming them ornaments of the soul and most rich jewels given thee by thy spouse. Let this be the answer to thy doubt over and above this. I wish to give thee an instruction which may be found in all the chapters. Consider, my soul, the punctuality of my mother Anne in fulfilling the precept of the law of the Lord, to whose majesty this solicitude is very pleasing. In this thou shouldst imitate her by observing and violate each and every one of the precepts of thy rules and constitutions, for God will reward most liberally this fidelity and severely punish any negligence in this matter. Without sin I was conceived, and it was not necessary to present me to the priest in order that the Lord might purify me, nor was this necessary for my mother, since she was very holy. Nevertheless, we humbly obeyed the law, and thereby we merited great increase of virtue and grace. Despising just and wise laws, and frequently dispensing with them, destroys the worship and fear of God, and fatally confuses government among men. Beware of easily dispensing in the obligations of the religious state, either for thyself or for others. If infirmity or some other just cause make it advisable, let it be done with moderation and with the approbation of the confessor, thus justifying dispensation before God and before men by the approbation of holy obedience. If thou findest thyself weary or weakened, do not at once become remiss in the strict observance for God. will give thee strength according to thy faith in him. Do not give any dispensation or pretext of being overworked. Make that which is less severe in advance that which is the greater. Let the creature serve the creator. On account of thy position as superioress, thou hast less excuse. For in the observation of the laws, thou must give a good example, leading on the others. Therefore, for thyself, no merely human motive can serve as an excuse, though thou mayest sometimes excuse thy sisters and subjects on such account. Note, moreover, my dearest, that I desire thee to lead in perfection. Therefore, this rigor is necessary, not even taking into consideration that the observance of the precepts is a duty to God and men. Let no one think that it is enough to fulfill all obligations toward the Lord. At the same time, tread underfoot the duty towards the neighbor, to whom is due good example and avoidance of all real scandal. O queen and mistress of all creation, would that I could not attain the purity and the virtue of the supernatural spirits, in order that this inferior part of my being, which weighs down the soul, wisdom 9.15, may prompt me to fulfill thy celestial teachings. I have become burdensome unto myself. Job 7.20 But with thy intercession and the gracious favor of the Most High, I will be able to obey thy will and his with a loving promptitude of heart. Let not thy intercession and support and the guidance of thy holy and wise counsels ever fail me. This concludes our reading today, day 42, in which we read from volume 1, book 1, chapter 22, paragraphs 355 to 360, the instruction that Our Lady gave to Maria Vagarda after asking a number of questions. One of the things I appreciated from today's reading was Mary saying, it was just that I should imitate my most holy son, who subjected himself to these hardships and defects, in order that he might merit so much the more, and in order that he might be an example to the rest of mortals for their imitation. Now, for Jesus, he is the Redeemer. And so, in what we call soteriology, or the study of salvation, 
Jesus assumes everything of the human condition. He has to take it on in order that it might be redeemed. And so there's a phrase, what is not assumed is not redeemed. And so for Jesus, he has to do this. And Mary, wanting to live her life in imitation of her son, then also experiences these things as well. And so we hold up Jesus. St. Paul says, be imitators of Christ. And then we also think about Mary and how we imitate the virtues of Mary. And so we do imitate our Savior, the second person of the Blessed Trinity. And we strive to imitate then what we find admirable in the Blessed Mother, which is everything about her life. We also heard Mary talk about her prayer. She said, I placed myself in the form of a cross, praying in imitation of him. For I knew that my beloved was to die in that position, although I did not know then that the crucified was to be my son. So I think we can often ask these questions, and we'll see it here in the volumes that we're reading. You know, what did Mary know? And so right here, Mary is admitting to Maria of Agreda, well, I didn't know this. I, I didn't know that my son Jesus was going to die on the cross. I knew someone was going to. And so in imitation, praying with her arms outstretched, sometimes we think of this lying prostrate on the floor, and there in the in the image of a cross, as you have your arms outstretched. And then we had a treatment from the Blessed Mother, as related to Maria of Agreda, about God and how he gives gratuitously. But thou, my dear friend, fly from such base ingratitude, and humbly acknowledge that thou hast received thy being in life gratuitously, and that gratuitously its author preserves it for thee. Freely dost thou receive all the other benefits without any merit of thine, and thus receiving much, and so forth and so on. But I think that's something we need to become aware of in our daily life, that everything I have in my life, I have received from Almighty God. God has given to me gratuitously. He doesn't have to give me these things, but he chooses to give me these things so that I might know him, that I might love him, that I might serve him, that I might be happy with him all the days of my life in the kingdom of heaven. And just realize the gratuitous nature of God giving to us. And what does that do then? Well, it moves us to thanksgiving. It moves us to be grateful for God's gratuitousness. And then our Lady encourages Maria Vagrada to a life of obedience. In this thou shouldst imitate her by observing and violate each and every one of the precepts of thy rules and constitutions. For God will reward most liberally this fidelity and severely punish any negligence in this matter. So Maria Vagrada, belonging to a religious community, has statutes and a constitution that guides the course of her life. Now, for us, we might not have that constitution or the statutes that guide our lives, but we know some things that guide our lives, the Ten Commandments, teachings of Jesus and the gospel. These are simple things. Maybe we make up a way of life for ourselves. I'm going to spend 15 minutes in prayer a day. I'm going to do spiritual reading. Well, check that off. You're listening and reading The Mystical City of God. You know, I'm going to do a good deed each day. Whatever... Make a way of life and allow that to guide you. And so be obedient to that. Maybe that's what you're being called to in this moment. But be faithful to what the Lord has asked us in the scriptures, what the church teaches as well. So the precepts of the church and other dictates, you know, especially 
with Lent uh, as it approaches. Well, fasting on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, well, observe that. Don't ignore it. Don't try to dismiss it away. Observe it. Abstain from meat on Fridays during Lent and actually throughout the rest of the year or do throughout the rest of the year some other form of suitable penance. Well, this is, again, something that the church offers. It tells us that members should do this. And so we want to be obedient to that. What St. Anne does by purifying herself in the temple, even though she has no need, and neither does the Blessed Mother, for she is the Immaculate Conception, they do it out of obedience. And so we are obedient to those things, those principles that guide our life. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading The Mystical City of God. And I hope that you'll join me again tomorrow. May God bless you today, and Mary pray for you.